0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today, in Jesus' name. The 23rd Psalm is, the, is one of the preeminent, probably, I'm trying to think, I guess it would be the number one psalm, most well-known psalm in in Scripture. But the twenty-second psalm is probably as quoted in reference to in sermons and and, in in biblical writings about theology and things like that. It is a very widely quoted psalm, and as you as we read through it, you're gonna you're gonna see that it is, and it is a very important psalm because it reveals that it reveals David's understanding. of him and his relationship with God in the sense of where God sits and stands and where we stand and the severe dichotomy, the severe difference between us and God, and yet we have intimate relationship with him. And and the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the word for fear is not the thing we we're propagated that, that is propagated today. Oftentimes, fear comes from your lack of knowing what's going to happen, and then you being afraid of not knowing the future. That's generally what fear, what brings us fear, okay? The fear of the Lord is based off of not the lack of knowledge, but the act of having knowledge, meaning the fear of the Lord is that I realize, I have a realization that how Finite I am. That hand breath that we were I was just talking about—that being just a vapor in the wind, just just here today. And I'm, I'm quoting a, a, a Christian song: uh, "A vapor in the wind, here today and, and gone tomorrow." I, it, it and understanding that God is eternal. He's infinite. He's all knowing. He's all powerful. He's so beyond us. So beyond. Even even us beginning to to think and understand that, understand him, he is so far beyond us that that we can't imagine his in his immense enormity his greatness his glory we can't even imagine it, but the understanding that understanding is the beginning of wisdom that the Bible says that fear that that enormity compared to our nothingness. That greatness compared to our really baseness and, and, and lowliness is where wisdom begins, because in that understanding, you have put yourself in a position to <clears throat> be rightly at the foot of the cross. You're rightly at the uh, footstool of God. You realize that you you require him, and he doesn't require you at all. And so when we get to Psalm 22, which is a long psalm, so I'm going to get on my horse here. He says, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know if you remember anybody saying that. That is exactly what Jesus said on the cross. That is one of the few things that he said. He said, I think he said seven things on the cross. And that is one of the things he said. And you go, Jesus was God. Why? If we're going to talk about God's enormity and our nothing. Why would Jesus, being in very nature God Himself, say something like that? Because Jesus, when uh, He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he gave in to his father's will. He said, not uh, my will, but he asked if the cup could pass from him. But if that was not going to be a part of the father's plan, then he was going to submit to the father's will. In that moment, God turned his back on Jesus and Jesus became the sin of the whole world. He became, he not only bore it, he became the sin of the whole world. He, he took all of it. He internalized all of it together. And, and so understanding that Jesus actually became the very base worst of us for us is a great understanding. And David says, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Jesus doesn't quote the 23rd Psalm <clears throat> on the cross. He took quote, quotes the 22nd Psalm on the cross. He says, why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, Meaning David is, David's giving you that understanding that I am so far because of who I am and because of my, 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 the, the nature that I have, the sin nature that I have, I am separated from God. I'm separated. And that's, we're beginning to have that understanding, that wisdom. Wisdom is, is not only knowledge, but it's knowledge of the, of how God sees things and then applying them to the world. He says, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime and you do not hear. And in the night season and am not, and, and, and am not silent, he said, I'm crying out. And I don't even know if you, you hear me. You seem so far away. You seem so distant, but you are wholly enthroned in the, praise, in, in the praises of Israel. Meaning I know where you are. You're way up there and you're encircled by the praises uh, of your people. He says, our, father trusts, our fathers trusted in you, meaning I know that other people, the, the, the people that have come before me, they put place their faith in you. He, he says, they trusted, uh, they trusted and you delivered them, meaning meaning I, I know of, of, I have heard of what you've done for others who trusted or faithed you. He said, they cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. That's another, that's another verse that you will, that you will hear every once in a while quoted. They cried to you and were delivered and they trusted in you and, and were not ashamed. And what he's saying is, he's saying, God, you're, I'm so far away from you. I'm crying out to you. You are so great and mighty, but I remember, I remember the things that have been said, the things that have been done in the past. For my, for the people that have come before me and how you acted upon their faith. Now that's why I teach people to read God's word on your own. It's, see, it's my job is to teach the word of God, but really the Holy Spirit is revealing the word of God to you. I'm just, I'm just a mouthpiece and and, and not a great mouthpiece, but just I am, I'm the one who God just gives to tell you this to proclaim it. But the truth is that the Holy Spirit's the one that's doing the real work. And when you read and allow the Holy Spirit to teach your heart and to guide you, when you do that, then then you come into that knowledge and that wisdom and you can call out because you know what God has done to the for the end for those who've come before us. But I'm a worm and no man. A reproach of men and despised by the people. That's another verse. Five and six are, are quoted. They're quoted real regularly. In fact, in fact, they're quoted in the New Testament in Matthew. And so he says, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by people. And he says, all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out uh, the lip. They shake the head saying they shoot out the lip. That means they run at the, (laughs) running off at the mouth. uh, I like that phrase. He says, "He says he trust uh, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him, let uh, him deliver him, since he delights in him." And if you'll notice that, that is a very that's a parallel of what the what the Sanhedrin and the chief priest and the the elders said of Jesus when he was on the cross, and and it's a prophecy of those things. And if you'll see, David is putting himself in the position of Jesus and being the sin of the world, because really, Jesus, the sin that Jesus bore was David's sin, and the sin that Jesus bore was our sin. So being able to put ourselves in that position of who Jesus was on the cross and understanding that, but not for him, it would have been oh, that, that provides wisdom, that gives you understanding. And it allows you to see yourself as you really are, which is totally, utterly in need of a redeemer, which God provided. And he says, but you are he who took me out of the womb. Notice David said, your work started in the womb with me. This is a common theme in scripture also, okay? That God knew us before we were ever conceived which in our modern political times in our really are in our modern uh horror, a worse horror than perhaps any uh horror of any time in human history. Not just on in, in the United States because we're just one uh thirtieth or one fortieth of the horror of abortion, somewhere in the neighborhood of forty to forty five million children. Four, I want you to hear that number because the numbers that are being banted around our present plague is a million people that are sick and 60,000 dead. but And that's over the period of a third of the year. In that same period of time around the world, 13 to 14, maybe even as many as 15 million babies have been killed. Now, that is a horror beyond belief. That is a fault in one year. That is a far worse horror than the number of deaths during World War II, worldwide. The number of deaths during World War II. And so the understanding that God knew us before he knit us in our mother's womb, that our humanity begins even before we're conceived is a very important principle. And it's a pr- very important scriptural principle for God's people. And and there, there really is no way there really is no way to stand in scripture and put yourself in a position where you say somebody has the right to take somebody's life under any circumstances without without just or due cause. Okay? And there there is no just cause. Your rights are not just cause for taking somebody's life. Okay? They have to have some kind of there has to be some kind of some kind of thing that they did with knowledge before there's justice in taking a life. Okay? And that, that can't, that argument, you cannot make a Christian, spiritual argument for anything but being pro-life. There's not, there's not really any way to make that argument. Okay? It, in, in no way can you do that. And I'm gonna leave it at that, but that is why uh, we stand where we stand, because is there reason to take life? Yes, God's ordained government, take life from those who are not innocent, but from those who clearly are, are willing to take others' lives or destroy others' lives with impunity, or from those from other nations and places where they're, they're, their goal is to destroy our lives as a nation. And so there, there is reason to take life. There's good re- biblical reason to take life, but it can't be innocent life. It, it just can't be. He said, but you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while I was on my mother's breast. Notice there's that, there's that God teaching us to trust him even in our, in, in, in our very, uh, youngest and earliest days. I was cast upon you from birth. Notice. <laughs> I've been handed over to you, God, from the time I was born. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Wow, wow, what? wow. He says, be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. What he's saying is, the truth is, the only person that can truly help you in your time of trouble is God. Now, does he send his angels to help you? Yes, he does. Does he send his people to help him? And, and absolutely, he does. But who is, who is doing the sending and who's the one who has his people and has his angels? That's God. And he's the source of help. Many bulls have surrounded me. And remember, an oxen or a bull is a picture of human flesh and power. Okay. And so when it says many bulls, it's many people who are operating in their own fleshly power. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me, and Bashan is a uh, Baal God. He says, they gape at me with their mouths like raging and roaring lions. That's what he's talking about. That's that desire to eat and destroy. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. Another verse that's quoted regularly another verse that's it's it's of the utmost importance and a, it's a, a verse where you just feel like you're melting in the circumstances of life. He says, <clears throat> my street strength has dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust and death. And that's the picture. uh pot shirt is the dryness of a pot. Once it's been baked in the oven, and he's saying, I, I don't even have any water, any, I don't even have any liquid anymore to uh, to keep me alive. I'm just about at death. Someone who's dying of, of of the lack of water in the desert. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. And, and dogs, and I, I know this hurts people feeling, but dogs all the time in scripture are pictures of not fallen angels, but demons. And demons are unclean spirits. And I'm not going to get into the depth of that, but dogs are the demonic. Okay. Every time in scripture, they're demonic. And if you think about it, I can't, expl- if I explained it to you in fullness, you'd understand why dogs, because dogs are man's best friend. They love to be with us and the demonic does too, for a clear reason because how they exist. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Another allusion to the cross, I can count all my bones. they look and stare at me. They drive my gar- they uh divide my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lights. Now listen to me. This was written hundreds this was written almost a millennia before Jesus was hung on the cross almost is almost is as, uh powerful as as Isaiah's account of the cross. When you take these passages and you understand, Jesus even on the cross is alluding to this and telling you to look back at this. Uh, If I said that this was in the New Testament, dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. If I said that Jesus said that in the New Testament, you would say, of course, that's what happened. And so this is a very powerful passage. It's something that you need to mark out in your Bible. Know where this is at, because if, if somebody asks you, well, did God say this is what's going to happen? Isaiah 53, sure. But you can also go to Psalms 22. And Psalms 22 is clear. Jesus quotes it. He gives, he, he, even on the cross, he says, look at Psalms 22. He's, he's giving you a shout out. Where's that said? Right here. And then it goes into it actually just dead on the money accurately predicts his death. Was Jesus surrounded by the people that loved him? No, just a few women and John were there. That was it. Everybody else was there to see him die and jeer him. Even the Romans were there to jeer him. Now, once he was crucified, they realized uh-oh, this wasn't just some Jewish man that had done something wrong and we're killing him. They they realized that he was the son of God, but all the all of Jesus' accusers were there and they were saying he can take himself down from that tree if he wants to. And it was predicted, it was predicted not only by the prophet Isaiah. You can see it's predicted in detail in Psalm chapter 22. This is a plan that started at the foundation of time, and you need to get that. He says but you, O oh Lord, do not be far from me. O oh, my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog, from the power of the of the demonic. Save me from the lion's mouth. Lion is a picture of spiritual power. It can be either godly spiritual power or, demon, or evil spiritual power. In this case, it would be evil spiritual power from the horns of the wild oxen. And I told you that oxen and bull are a picture of human flesh. So horns is the power of human flesh, wild human flesh here. You have answered me and God did deliver Jesus and he delivers us and he did deliver David. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly, I'll praise you. Notice deliverance comes only from God and God provided deliverance through Jesus. And when we have that deliverance, then notice what David says. I'm going to declare your name to my brethren, which means he's going to speak of the goodness of God. Do you speak of the goodness of God to your brethren? He says to the people that in the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Do you sing on Sunday morning? Can I ask you that? In the midst when we assemble together, do you sing? Do you sing with you? Do you sing as one who has been delivered by the by the blood of the lamb? Do you do that? You who fear the Lord, praise him. He's telling you to praise him. All you descendants of Jacob glorify him. And we are descendants of Jacob because we are descendants of faith, okay? We're not the, we're not the direct line. We're grafted in, but we're descendants of that same faith. And fear him, all you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Meaning he's not cast us out because we're afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. He said, my praise shall be on you in the great assembly. I will pray my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. That's another verse. This is another verse that's being quoted regularly. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. What he's saying is, this is not just a, David saying this is not just an Israel thing. This is something that's going to be spread all over the world. And it has, it has. He says, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. David understood that the plan of God was not just to deliver Israel, but Israel was going to be the example that God uh, set before us and that he would eventually deliver all nations, all the Gentiles also, because he's a God of deliverance. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. He says, and for the prosperous of the earth, they shall eat and worship. And all those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, meaning everyone who passes away is going, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Even he he who cannot keep himself alive, meaning we don't have power over ourselves to keep ourselves alive. But let me tell you, everyone who goes to the grave is going to bow their knee at Jesus, at the name of Jesus. When it is mentioned in heaven, we shall bow our knees to him. And that is those who are uh, going down to, who are going to be cast into the lake of fire, as well as those who are the redeemed. He says, a posterity shall serve him. And this reludes back to Isaiah 53, that that there's going to be something that comes after him. Even Isaiah says that he doesn't have any, he has no descendants, but but there is a posterity, and that posterity is not a posterity of an actual physical human line, much less all this Holy Grail searching and Mary Magdalene stuff. He says, a posterity will serve him. That posterity is a posterity, a people of faith. It will be recounted of the Lord to the na- next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born. Notice that this is passed generation to generation, and I, I said this before. God, as as this is passed from generation to generation, there's a heritage of faith that is passed on also, and that heritage of faith is powerful, and that heritage of faith is is glorious and mighty, and it becomes more and more powerful as you go in generation. And I always say to to those who are the first generation of their family or the first that actually trust in Jesus and have this faith and have this this faith in in God's revelation to us in his word. I always say to them, you get to be something very unique. You get to be the beginning point of a posterity for your family and your children, and they ought to be passed on to those who will be born after you. And that means you need to live and walk by so that that posterity, so that your children and grandchildren and great grandchildren shall have and hear the faith that you have. He says, and they will be the right, his righteous to a people who will be born that he has done this. And what is this that he's done? This that he's done is spelled out in he, this that he's talking about that he's done is in here. And it is our pleasure. And duty. You can have a duty that is pleasing and pleasurable, but it's our pleasure and our duty to, to see this, know this, trust this. And I hope you'll do that also to know it, to read it, to, to devour it and to have it in your heart so that it might be passed on to your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren. And it's a posterity of faith. And we want that. And I want that for you. And God most of all wants that for you. And we want to build each other up, strengthen each other up. We want to praise his name in the assembly. And we want to worship him. And we want to share the good news to our brethren, those around us, that there's hope and a true fear. And that's the fear of the Lord, not in a fear of something that is unknown. That there's a fear and a knowledge of fear, uh, a knowledge that comes from knowing God. And that puts us in the right place